Right, Welcome right, to the Arrowhead so Attic Podcast. This is Wacky Wednesday. I'm Adam Best here with the silky smooth Sterling Holmes. We've got Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. You know, doing a show with these guys. It's like being on on an offense with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. They make me look good. Well, maybe mediocre and uh, make my job easy. <laughs> you are far, far too kind. Far too kind. Um, I'm doing well. It's a great day. It's beautiful here in Kansas City. It's sunny. Uh, frankly, you can golf in this weather. And best of all, we get to watch relaxing football this weekend. Don't have to worry about it. Stress-free, kicking back, cracking open a few cold ones of Casey Bierko, which, by the way, I went to Casey Bierko last night. Guess what? Our beer the Arrow Red Lager is now on tap, and you can buy six packs there as well. Let me tell you, it is delicious. I have a picture of myself drinking a liter of it. Yes, you heard right, a liter of it. One of those big German steins. So if you want to get some, get down there quick before I drink it all. It's extremely good. Pairs well with Chiefs dubs. I'm telling you guys right now, the Era Red Lager, it's going to be one of the best beers you will possibly have. It was so fun brewing it. I wish Adam could have been there, but he could not. But me, uh, Matt Connor, uh, Patrick Allen, Verderam, who even spilt a little bit of the grains onto the ground, we made a way, we found a way to make it work. Go to Casey Beer Co. and dare to beer different. <laughs> Bumbles do happen. Speaking of golf, how many of the Chiefs do you think are out there on the course since they have a week off? All of them. Stay limber, baby. Keep that back limber. Yeah, especially you, Harrison <laughs> Butker. Uh, let's do it. Let's get into the Week 18 Awards. First one, the Pretty Good Weekend in Vegas Award. Shoot, a fella can have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with all that stuff. <laughs> We've got to celebrate the entire team here. They get this award. In my opinion, they played their first complete game of the season for four quarters in all facets of the game, offense, defense, special teams. They all brought it. There's really not even a, a morsel of negative stuff to nitpick. It's just it, it was just a great outing from the minute they kicked off until they stopped screwing around, you know. It was just domination, plain and simple. The AFC West went all in this entire offseason. We've talked about it ad nauseum, and guess what happened? Chiefs swept them, bust the brooms out 6-0. and oh. For all the talk of each team bringing in a new piece, whether it's Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, um, you, you know, Russell Wilson, right? It didn't matter. The Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill and dominated it like they never left. The Broncos have not beaten Kansas City since 2015. Uh, the teams were all tied. Oh, 15-15-15, the Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers, Chiefs had eight AFC West titles. Chiefs have won seven straight. They're now tied with all three or all three of those other teams. This Chiefs team is domination through and through. So fun to watch. The crazy thing is they all went all in the rest of the AFC West. And we did better this year. We didn't lose a game. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes has never lost a road game in the AFC. So the Raiders have never beaten us in Vegas. That really has to smart. Uh, just this is the way you want to head into the postseason. The Chiefs have been playing with their food a little bit, not not just blowing out uh, inferior competition to smithereens. And they came out, and I think they sent a message to to the league, but also to themselves, like this is who we are when we're focused 
and we're firing on all cylinders. It was, again, you mentioned every single facet was nearly perfection. Coaching staff, special teams, offense, defense. We're going to get to some more superlatives and some more individual acknowledgement later on. So if you think we're not going to touch on it right now, you're wrong. We will get to it, I promise, which leads us into the next award. The Where'd You Learn to Kick Like That? Anyway, where the hell did you learn to kick like that? Oh, um, Jackie Chan movies? Ah. I know we've got some Demolition Man fans out there. We have to. This one goes to punter Tommy Townsend, who congratulations, made first team all pro. He pinned the Raiders inside their own five with a nearly perfect uh, punt. And then you got to love the goofy Connor McGregor celebration. We're going to be, me, be uh, memeing that for years to come. The great thing about Townsend, forget about his holding. That's a separate conversation. But this guy is a hang time monster, 4.7 seconds per punt. And he doesn't sacrifice direction, distance, accuracy, any of that stuff for power. It's almost a joke to go from Dustin Colquitt to, to this. It's sort of the punter version of Favre to Rogers or Manning to Luck. Yeah, what's so crazy is for a team that hardly punts, they have maybe the best punter in the NFL. Uh, PFF ranked him as the most valuable punter in the NFL based on EPA. What Tommy Townsend does is so impressive because we knew the leg strength was there. And I was even one of the, uh, I don't want to say a few people, one of the one of the people who thought that maybe the Chiefs should have some competition at punter because Tommy Townsend, as good as the leg strength was, was not accurate. He did a poor job in the past pinning teams deep in their own respective, um, you know, inside the 10. Well, this year that thing's changed. Tommy Townsend has gained that accuracy. He has the confidence uh, holding, notwithstanding, right? Tommy Townsend has been extremely good, more than the Chiefs could have hoped for. Uh, Shout out to Tommy Townsend. Those luscious locks, he deserves this. I still don't want us to punt very much. (laughs) A perfect game is a game where we don't have to use Tommy Townsend because the offense it comes out firing like they did after the first, uh, what was it? 15 minutes in that, in that Texans playoff game score seven or eight touchdowns in a row. That's what I want to see in the postseason. Well, and I, I will also say Tommy Townsend made a poor decision in my opinion from Andy Reed workout against the Raiders. The chiefs had, what was it? Fourth and two, fourth and three from the Raiders 42 yard line. And we're sitting here going, well, they go for this, right? Tommy Townsend, Punted the ball. I'm screaming, horrible decision, but at least Tommy Townsend made it look like a smart one, pinning them inside the five. You love seeing that. I want to give a shout out to uh, one of the commenters, Spades. Says, I put $1,000 on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl before the season started. My wager is now worth 6 k and I'm not selling it until KC wins the Super Bowl. Spades, you have some stones, my guy. If it's worth 6 k now, I'll tell you what. That's six times your investment. That's a good ROI. Now, this guy, I'm pulling it out. I don't have the stones to do that. If I see 6K in front of me, I'm taking it. But you, sir, or ma'am, congratulations for having the ability to let it ride. Doing that major league (laughs) dance. You know what I'm talking about? Let's move on to the next award, the Are You Not Entertained Award. And the winner is the refs who screwed up the snow globe play and anyone else who bitched about it. First off, there was no holding on that call. 
right? Just because Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney dominated two hapless Raiders defenders and, and both of them caught bodies, that doesn't mean the, uh, the Raiders were deserving of a pity call. Maybe, what do you think? Were the refs disoriented and they thought they didn't have enough time to gather themselves and they thought, oh my gosh, something must be illegal here. Let's just, <laughs> let's just toss some yellow out in the field. They turn into Carl Sheffers out there, or it was oh. like Semi Pro. When have you seen the movie Semi Pro with Will Ferrell? And they, Andre Three Thousand, man. They, they pull an alley oop, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, travel, double dribble, carrying. That's illegal. It's not illegal. It was just something that you've never seen before. That's what this just happened. The, the, the reps have never seen this before. I don't know if they felt bad for the Raiders. We're seeing even Broncos players come out saying it was disrespectful. Hey, guys, you want to know what's disrespectful? The fact that Chiefs just swept your asses. Maybe if you don't want this to happen, win the game. There you go. How's that for disrespectful? Or maybe don't drive a bus the one time you do win a game around Arrowhead. There you go. If it was disrespectful, I don't care. It worked. It was fun. It was entertaining. And the Chiefs dominated. I'm okay with it. Let's take a look at that Quinn Miners uh, clip, actually. He's an offensive lineman from the Broncos. I'm going to say it because it's, it's one on my, on my chest. The fact that they did that little ring around a rosy play against the Raiders, like, genuinely, like, like pissed me off. Give me a break, dude. We're talking Sherman about ultra. Oh, my God. We're talking about sportsmanship. NFL does not stand for no fun league. There are advantages from these gimmick formations and trick plays that Andy Reid has used over the years. They keep defenses on their heels. This is entertainment, right? What's next? Is he going to start breaking shit around his house when he, when the NBA slam dunk contest comes on? I mean, what is with this guy? What so whiny? Why is everybody so whiny about the chiefs? It's just why complain or stop them. Just stop them. That's what I come down to is if you really don't want them doing that, stop them. Yeah. You don't want to be embarrassed. Don't, Put forth embarrassing play. That's all there is to it. Let's move on to the next award, and that is the King Kong Ain't Got Shit on Me Award. King Kong ain't got shit on me! He's probably running out of room for trophies because of this show, but we got to talk about Chris Jones again. We just have to do it. Not only did Stone Cold close out another game, his stat line was just monstrous. Check this out. 11 pressures, 2.5 sacks, six QB hits, two TFLs, and four run stops. He's been doing this all season, as evidenced by his 77 pressures. That leads all defensive tackles. And then his, his uh, 15.5 sacks. Can you guess where that ranks in Chiefs history? 15 and a half sacks. Can I, mm-hmm. Okay, guess. Behind Justin Houston. Correct. Behind one year of Chris Jones. Tied. Okay. Behind Jared Allen. Nope. Tied. Really? Yeah. So second yeah. then. Nope. No, third, third, Derek Thomas. Yep. There you go. Third, the second time he's done this, he's third in Chiefs history. And Justin Houston and Derek Thomas, they played on the edge where sacks are a little bit easier to gather. So my opinion is if he can string three more games like that together and Mahomes doesn't have another situation like that second half against Cincy in the playoffs last year. This team is not going to be stopped. When those two guys play like MVP on one end of the the field and and defensive player of the year on the other, that is almost an unbeatable combo. 
Well, and you know me, I've been, I don't want to say harsh on Chris Jones, but he's been a player who's been elite, let's just say, just for semantics here, 11 or 12 games out of a 17 now game season, right? Two-thirds yeah. of the time he's dominant, a third of the time you're, you're sitting here going, where is he? That didn't happen this year. It felt like every single game he was a difference maker in a game record. Except the game where he was sick. The game that where he was the, sick, sure. That was the sure. only exception. But and, and that's where I'm so impressed with Chris Jones is the consistency. That's what I was saying all season long. You and I did this going into the year. You were very high on Chris Jones, saying he was a top seven player in the NFL def- defensively, right? And I said, I think he's just on the outside because of the consistency. We saw the consistency. He answered the bell. He's been there. He's been the best interior demons alignment in the NFL. He's not going to win DPOY because of a Bosa brother. But Chris Jones deserves a lot of credit. I don't think we're going to have those questions again of where is he in the playoffs? He is going to show up. And he's going to show up for his teammates. George Karloftis got a, a cleanup sack because Chris Jones, they couldn't slide over protection when they were doubling him fast enough to guard in the center. And he just blew by a double team, got his hand on the ball, and Jarrett Stidham had to step up into a sack. How many times have we seen Frank Clark or one of these other guys get a sack because – Chris Jones disrupts the play. It happens all the time. So his value, the way he disrupts the other team's offensive game plan, you can't even see it in just his stats alone because he's helping his teammates. He's elevating them. The other team is is just constantly thinking about, we can't let this guy destroy what we're trying to do offensively. And um, again, anyone who wants to trade him, man, you're a candidate for a lobotomy. We're not, we can't do it. We can't, you cannot find a guy like this in free agency or the draft where we pick late, late in the first round. You know what I mean? No, no, he, he is in a class with Aaron Donald and this year he was better than Aaron Donald. Uh, DeForest Buckner, Quentin Williams, they might be in the next spot down, but Chris Jones was not only good getting after the quarterback, but he's good stopping the run as well. There's no denying it. That's not where he thrives. That's not something that you're going to hang your hat on and say, yeah, Chris Jones against the run, that's where he excels, but he's good at it. It's not like he's just a guy that goes after the quarterback and forgets to stay in his zone. No, at times when you need him to stop the run, he will be there. You saw it against Josh Jacobs. You saw it against the Raiders. You've seen it all season long. Chris Jones is a complete interior defensive lineman. He takes advantage of opportunities when they put him on the outside. I've been so impressed with Chris Jones. Again, I may have been harder on him than most, but this season I've completely turned around saying, yes, he is the best interior defensive lineman in 2022. And let's take a moment to give props to defensive line coach Joe Cullen, who Chris Jones himself credits for helping him transform his game. And that's an amazing feat when you have a player who is already a a 9 out of 10, taking him to a 10 or an 11 out of 10. Uh, Just kudos to Joe Cullen. Well, let me tell you this. I don't know what that tells you about Brendan Daly, but that has to say something. Because I talked about it with Matt Connor, and I don't want to, you know, be hard on Daly, but in the first year, we've seen the consistency from the defensive line and from Chris Jones. This has been one of the best D-lines with, let's say, maybe not the most talented D-line by any stretch of the imagination in the NFL. They were second in sacks. I believe I looked that up according to uh, Stats Muse. I think they were fourth. I, the one I saw was they had 55 sacks. Eagles had 70. And then the third place had 54. Huh. Again, that was according to Stat Muse. Whatever the, I have the, them at 49. Yeah. So whatever it was. 
could be a different site, could be looking a little differently at what I Regardless, saw. Regardless, they're top five. Regardless of top five. And again, that's a lot to Joe Cullen. My question is, was any of this daily holding this D-line back? Or is this just Joe Cullen being that good at getting the best from this D-line? I'm glad to have him because the defensive line has played better and we're going to need that in the, in the playoffs. That was one more sack with Joe Burrow and we might have another title. Let's move on to hot take kingdom. But before we do, please do us a favor. If you enjoy this content and hit like on this video, if you're not a subscriber to this channel, consider that uh, you can leave us reviews over on Apple podcasts. That's helpful. Uh, again, we appreciate the support. And uh, Sterling, you ready for a little uh, Hot Take Kingdom? Let's do it. So Hot Take Kingdom is a reoccurring segment that we do on here. One of our favorites, Adam, is going to come up with a hot take and either I join him or I say nay. You guys in the chats will get a poll. You can vote as well, yes or no. If you're coming into the Hot Take Kingdom with Adam or staying on the outside, Adam, what do you have this week? This week's Hot Take Kingdom is the Patriots have passed the torch and the Chiefs are now the most hated team in the league. Hands. Are we the baddies? <laughs> yep, we are the baddies. So success breeds envy, which makes Kansas City the envy of the entire league. That's just how it is. Anyway, welcome to the kingdom. Going to open up with some staggering stats here. The Chiefs are one of three teams in league history to have 116 or more regular season wins in a 10-year span. What happened 10 years ago, Sterling? I, I'm trying to remember. Did something happen 10 years ago in Chiefs Kingdom? Uh, was it Andy Reid coming to the promised land? Crashing through the locker room wall like the Kool-Aid man. That's what happened. And since Mahomes arrived as a starter, they're one of only three teams to average over 30 points per game over a five-year span. The dominance has the haters fuming. Uh, this got lost in the shuffle because of the DeMar Hamlin tragedy. But prior to that, in, in the you know Bills-Bangles game before it was getting started, fans of those two fan bases were chanting, fuck the Chiefs in unison together. I mean, we are living rent-free in their heads uh, those two fan bases, along with countless others, are extremely angry that the Chiefs got the number one seed. But that is what happens when you win the most games and the Chiefs won the most games. You know, what do you want them to do? Surrender a win? That's just the way things went. It's, it's not our fault. Anyway, check out this tweet from Babs, the self-proclaimed leader of Patriots Nation. I am 100% rooting against KC this playoff run. They will easily get exposed. Even if I have to root for Buffalo, so be it. Chiefs fans need to be humbled badly. Uh, that's a little deranged. That'd be like us rooting for the Broncos to beat the Patriots. Uh, couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. And then how about this tweet from notorious fan Raider Cody? Oh. Nobody plays football like Patrick Mahomes. It pisses me off. Oh, man, I, I am just so hydrated off those tears. I may not have to drink any water for the rest of the day. Smells like jealousy. Yeah, I think it does. I'm, I'm getting a whiff of that, too. Getting a whiff of it. After last Saturday's game, Raiders fans were furious about 
uh, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas being packed with red. What what percentage would you say, Sterling? Are we 70 30? 60, dude, 40, 80, 20? Dude, it, it was it was a lot of red. I might go 70, 30. I mean, it was crazy. A Raiders fan on Twitter, there was kind of this viral video, and he said 80, 20. I think that was a bit of hyperbole, but it, it was not good. Now, Coach Jason Brown was public enemy number one in Kansas City this week. Uh, this guy's a piece of work. Check out what he said about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes overrated. Uh, nobody wants to talk about it. Get out of here, man. Is he wearing a backward visor? What is this? Is he a member of the Backstreet Boys? What is happening? If you know. take that dude serious, that's on you. That's on you. That's all I'm going to say. But taking a shot at Mahomes, if you are chasing clout, taking shots at Mahomes and the Chiefs are a good way to do it. It just gets so annoying. How many times have we seen recently other teams – saying that the Chiefs have a cupcake schedule, like B Buffalo Bills fans, and they, they ignore the fact that their team lost to freaking Zach Wilson. It's I the mean, NFL. The Chiefs, by the way, play going into this year what was supposed to be the hardest schedule in the NFL. It's not correct. their fault. What do you want them to do? Lose to the teams they're supposed to beat? That is the most asinine argument. This is not college football, okay? It's not Georgia or Alabama playing Alabama State A&M, okay? This is the NFL it's ridiculous. It pisses me off. I hate when people use schedule as an excuse. There's no excuse to schedule, especially when the Chiefs, who constantly win their division, have to play the other best teams in said division. It's asinine. Get over it. We have no control about how the cookie crumbles, but we face the number one uh, schedule, you know, the, the division winning schedule every single year. And every year we hear about how hard it is. And then we rip through it like a hot knife through butter. And then everyone complains that our schedule is soft. You know, rinse and repeat. We've heard it so many times. I don't know. All offseason long, it was the talking heads just saying the Chiefs were, were due for regression. Mahomes is going to take a step back. They weren't going to win the division. And it's just them milking Chiefs fatigue. Eagles fans, right? Eagles fans seem, seem I don't know if they're pissed, but they seem upset that Jalen Hurts isn't going to win MVP. Who knows if he'll ever get another shot? I kind of think he might not. But we don't. Again, this isn't, I mean, the Academy Awards kind of do that, but this isn't a lifetime achievement award or, or this isn't a, he may never be back. So let's, let's give it, this is who is the most valuable to their team. And then going back to Snow Globe, what an awesome name, by the way, it kind of sounds like a, like a Bond movie to me. Uh, but I don't know, we run one goofy play and it was like, we pissed everyone's Cheerios. So I think we are the new villain. Uh, this quote from the Dark Knight nails what has happened to the Mahomes Reed era chiefs. We've been good so long that we're now the villain. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Sterling, you've heard my case. I could probably vent and bitch for another hour, but should we lower the castle gates or keep them up? Dude, lower them and I'm waltzing in, okay? I am waltzing in to Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, a few comments I want to get into before I agree with you even more. Uh, yeah. One, Balloon Raccoon. I love Sterling. No, pal. I love you. Okay. Thank you for listening and commenting. Uh, Chaco Roar says Patrick Mahomes is underrated. He is the best ever and will also be the greatest ever by the end of his career. He's, I don't know if he's the best ever currently. 
maybe the most talented. Let's see a few more rings on his digits, and then I will agree with you. But he is definitely on the right track. Bill Bond says Snow Globe could have been a tribute to Lynn Dawson in Ring of Honor. Good point, Bill. Um, and then Tungsten says Jealousy is a stinky cologne. I'm with you. I am with you. Uh, and this was something I want to bring up because I actually had this exact same thought process on January 28th of last year. So almost exactly a year ago, I had this exact same thought. I said, wow. this is tweet word for word that I had. Chiefs are now the villains. Accept it. Embrace it. Only great teams get hated on like this. Chiefs are no longer the lovable bunch that hadn't won a Super Bowl in 50 years. The Grim Reaper couldn't be more fitting. You don't hate on teams when they're bad. There's no reason to. No one hates the Detroit Lions. No one hates the Jacksonville Jaguars. You hate the, the, the Patriots in that dynasty. You hate the Chiefs because they win. It's not the Chiefs' fault. It's not the Chiefs' fans' fault. Chiefs fans have been through a lot. Most Chiefs fans have seen some dark times, some dark days, some horrendous football. They deserve some of the fun they're experiencing now. Damon Heward? But even, let's put it in perspective, when the Steelers were consistently good but not elite, they didn't really get hated on like this. You know why? They didn't have that kind of consistency over that long of a period. They were never like the team to beat. That was the Patriots. The Chiefs are now the team to beat. Until the Bengals win a Super Bowl, and it's not them, until the Bills beat the Chiefs in a playoff game or a game that really matters, they're not it. It's the Chiefs. No team in the NFC has had the consistency of any any sort of recency, right? It's not like the Minnesota Vikings are consistently going there. The Eagles obviously won a Super Bowl a few years ago, but they've not had that sort of consistency. It's the Chiefs, man. They're the team that is constantly there hosting four straight AFC championship games, going to two Super Bowls, winning one. It's the Chiefs, man. I am with you. I'm going to paraphrase Cat Williams here, the comedian, but he basically said, if you have five haters, get 10 more. That's a sign of success that you're on the right track. The only thing that frustrates me a little bit is you look at Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Robert Kraft. Maybe this is just my opinion, but I don't think those guys are the most likable people on earth. And then you look at Andy Reid, Clark Hunt, and, and Patrick Mahomes. I just think it's kind of night and day in, in, in modesty and then being affable. Uh, so it's weird to me that people don't like them because I just find them eminently likable. But I, I will say this. I don't think many people dislike the Chiefs team. The, the players, the ownership group, or Andy Reid. A lot of folks love Andy Reid and appreciate greatness that they're, that they're witnessing. It's, it, it comes down to a lot of fans. It was the same way with New England. You might dislike Tom Brady, but you respect him, right? I never yeah. was a fan of Tom Brady, but I respected the hell out of him. A lot of people don't like Mahomes, but they respect him because what does he do? He keeps winning, and for the most part, beating your team. Every single group of fans, you go through this, this wave of when the Chiefs are good or the Patriots are good or whenever your team is good, you're on top. You might have a snarky comment, might get someone heated up or riled up. It's probably not your fault. Probably someone came at you for no apparent reason. But it happens. And that way, you come, you come off looking like, oh, well, look how cocky they are. You come yeah. to the champ, you best not miss. That's right. And a lot of it, too, I think people don't like Jackson and Brittany. So they hold that against Patrick. And, and in my opinion, like, what are we doing here 
even knowing the the family members of players like that, that has nothing to do with the game. I don't want to pay attention to that stuff. I want to be about the X's and O's and what happens in between the sidelines, not, not this Kardashian type shit that, that people are paying attention to. One thing I want to point out, the bills have a lot more pressure than I think any team in the NFL. Now, Jamar Hamlin, I think almost eased some of the pressure back. And first off, I love the fact that DeMar Hamlin is now back at home. It's incredible the recovery DeMar Hamlin's had. I love seeing the entire NFL community come together as one. It's fun seeing America. I know other countries can involved, mostly America, right? Coming together, putting aside differences, whether political, team, whatever you want to call it. It was amazing seeing the type of energy, positive energy that was brought from everyone. That was awesome to see. But going into this year, almost every single team, Every single, I mean, sorry, media member was saying it's the Bills to lose. I'm guilty of it. I thought this was the Bills Super Bowl window. This Me they, too. They went all in. Chiefs did not go all in. Obviously, they were trying to retool a little bit, and we were proven wrong, at least so far. Now, the Buffalo Bills need to win or else they look at they failed. That's what it'll come off as is they failed yet again. They could not get over the hump. Eventually, that hump gets bigger and bigger. That turns into a mountain, and eventually it seems like you'll never get over. The Bills need this way more than the Chiefs. They went all in. Von Miller is hurt. That contract's still on the books. Tredavious White not getting any younger. They have issues at safety, although I believe it's at Micah Hyde who's supposed to be coming back, but who knows how good he's going to be. Josh Allen making a lot more mistakes, looking more like rookie Josh Allen, not like the past two years Josh Allen. This Bills team has a lot more issues than I think a lot of folks want to believe. That point about getting over the hump is a really, really smart one because you look back to the Utah Jazz during Michael Jordan's heyday. Carl Malone and John Stockton, that, that team, they should have gotten a ring. But Michael Jordan just got in a lot of people's heads. And, and the Knicks are another example. The Pacers are another example. And I'm hoping our guy... Mahomes and his teammates, it's a little harder in basketball. You're you're not dealing with a 15-man roster. You're dealing with 53. So it's a little bit harder for one person to just will their way to a championship. But you would like to see us get back to big brothering the rest of the AFC and, and kind of have that recapture that aura of invincibility that we had previously. Uh, I will also say... I don't hate the Bills. I don't hate the Bengals. I really don't. I, I know some Chiefs fans do. I will never tell you how to fan, okay? I will never tell anyone how to fan because that's your right as a fan to fan how you want. But I don't hate the Bills. I respect Josh Allen. I, uh, Joe Burrow, he can come off a little cocky and a little this, that, and the other. I don't hate Joe Burrow. It's fun. If you have a rivalry with teams – like this, who are not just in your division, but also just in the NFL in general, that means you're good, right? Like, it means you're good. Because it's not just a rivalry with the Broncos, the Raiders. You have a rivalry with the Bills and the Bengals, the two other best teams in the AFC. It's fun. It's what makes sports fun. You don't hear about uh, the Houston Texans having a rivalry with with the Bengals or any of these other teams, right? Because they're no good. Sure don't. It's fun having a little back and forth with these other teams. So if you're a Bills fan in this chat, we appreciate you. If you're a Bengals fan in this chat, we appreciate you. Uh, we hope you guys lose, but we still appreciate you. We uh, do. And <laughs> the other thing, one last quick point there, is that iron sharpens iron. 
Mahomes and the rest of the Chiefs roster needs to be pushed to reach their full potential. So you need a foil. You need players like Josh Allen so that that Patrick Mahomes feels like he's being chased, like he has to just work tirelessly during the offseason to be the best. So that's important. Uh, angry drunken German. I feel your pain. He says, I was a Mizzou jazz and chiefs fan the last 30 years. It was rough. I'm a Mizzou guy. I'm a Royals guy. At least we have the 2015 world series. Were you alive for the fifth down baby? I've had so much pain, so much pain. Come on now. It's horrible. I'm also a 76ers guy. We had Oh one. That's rough. And they still didn't win. Okay. I was there for the 10-win team. I've I've had a tortured life. I get it. I grew up a Pacers-Chiefs fan, so I get it. I really do. <laughs> Let's Always get a bridesmaid. Always a bridesmaid. <laughs> Let's get into the next segment. It's actually a new segment. Adam came up with this one. It's the Andy Reid trick play wish list. Yeah, let's get weird with it. Every time I see them kind of break out a trick play or a gadget play from the lab, and we all know that that Andy encourages Patrick and Travis and the rest of the guys to get creative uh, at the end of practice. I think it's at the end of practice and come up with things. And then once they're worked out, kind of pitch the plays to him. To him. And if if uh, they're good enough, Andy will run them. So let's pitch some plays of our own. The first thing I want to see is a reverse jet sweep where McCall Hardman gets the ball and pitches to Kadarius Tony on the reverse. We've got maybe, I would say, like two of the top, at least 10, if not five or six, kind of reverse shifty space guys in the league. That would be devastating if they could find a way to work it. You know what I'm thinking here, too? What's that? The Detroit Lions. With, by the way, did y'all see Dan Campbell's nose? That shit made Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer jealous. That thing was red. I was concerned for Dan Campbell's nose. That looked like frostbite. Tom Coughlin was the former king of looking like, wow, that guy's in serious pain. I wonder if Tom Coughlin's going to make it through a playoff game because it's so cold. Dan Campbell gave him a run for his money. But that play of the hook and ladder, Chiefs, Kadarius Tony, McCall Hardman, it's on the list. Oh, did I? I I blew. I where? No, no. We'll yeah, just jump no. ahead. No. no, no, no. Fine. No, freak me, right? I screwed up, guys. This guy. It's well, on we're, me. We're already talking about it, so <laughs> let's just talk about it. I think we should steal the hook and ladder play that that helped. I mean, what a gutsy thing to do. I know that their season was effectively over, so they were playing with house money. What do they have to lose? All they were going for is like, you know, misery loves company we're out. So let's knock our divisional rival, the Packers out, but it was still a gutsy call. So what happened was you have Amon Ross St. Brown, a, a kind of a slot receiver for the lines in the slot. Jared Goff takes a snap, whips it in there to Amon Ross St. Brown. And then Amon Ross St. Brown pitches to, you know, um, Deandre Swift coming around the corner, like a race car. And I could see, that happening with Juju Smith-Schuster and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, similar players, you got a, a sure-handed slot receiver who's tough and physical and can take a hit, and then you've got Jarek McKinnon who has excellent hands and is great in space as a running back. Yeah, I would love this, man. I think it's a, a relatively risky play, but one that I trust the Chiefs to maneuver. They all have great hands for the most part. I see, uh, I believe it's Latrell. 
Uh, Kelsey is always rated a lateral. You're right. Kelsey would be a, a perfect guy for this because that dude always looked like he's about to pitch it. You clinch up sometimes. You're like, I don't see anyone around him. And he looks like he's trying to dish it back somewhere like he's Steve Nash. But it's and okay. why are you pitching to Shane McCoy, <laughs> the guy with like who cares the least about ball security in the entire league, carries that thing like a loaf of bread. But it's always uh, – I think defenses always have to worry about him getting creative. Uh, speaking of getting creative, how about this? A wildcat run by Colin Saunders. I don't want to do this from too far out, but – if we're up and we want to have some fun, like we were against the Steelers last year, kind of, kind of show, show off, show our dominance, peacock a little bit. I would love to see it. I, they've been trying to get him the ball and get him a touchdown. It's time. Let's do it. Hungry pig, baby. It's hungry pig. Don Tardy Poe. Oh, you wanted to do a little, uh, a little throw. I think what would be interesting if they're not going to do a QB sneak with Colin Saunders. I know we've seen Blake Bell back there. I don't mind a QB sneak with Blake Bell uh, as long as we don't see that option ever again. I'm first mm. and foremost, I think they should do QB sneak with Mahomes. I think it was a freak injury, especially now in the playoffs. I think it makes that option, sense. Sorry to interrupt, but that option almost lost the uh, divisional round game for them. Correct. Yeah. So like I never third, and, third and four. What are you doing? Burn it. Burn it. Um, Burn book. Yep. But what about Colin Saunders as a QB sneak? That dude is huge. Good luck stopping him getting a yard. Seriously. Okay. Like, here, someone here's what comes, you do. I got you. Okay. All right. Colin Saunders. Yep. Get like, um, let me think. Got it. Brandon Williams behind him. Yes. Yes. I was going to say him or Danny, Danny Shelton. Shelton. Oh, and just push Turk, not Turk Warden, push Colin Saunders forward. You're not stopping that. 700 I, pounds of man meat. <laughs> Dude, that is that has to be an unstoppable QB sneak move. I, I see Wayne Perryman goes, he won't fit inside the gap. They'll make room. They'll make it happen. You're not stopping that. <laughs> I agree. We, we broke another football, idea. guys. We broke another football. Another idea for you is the fake spike. We haven't seen that in a while. I love a fake spike. Big Ben did it. Dan Marino did it. I think Patrick Mahomes, we've seen him in the commercials. I think he has, I believe he has the acting ability and the intellect to sell this. And it's just been a while since we've seen one. So perhaps you could catch uh, the defense napping and it would be a good excuse not to use Harrison Butker. Maybe I'm not going to lie. I have been screaming for a fake spike in football for a long time. This has been going on maybe two years now where I keep questioning why doesn't any team do a fake a fake spike? Every team on defense, if you look, they're just sitting there, you know, hands on knees, hands on hips. They don't think anything's going to happen. They think you're just spiking the ball. I never understand. I don't know if it's an unwritten rule to an extent where it's like, hey, don't do it because it's one of those unwritten rules. I don't give a shit. Rock it. Me neither. I would do it. I think a fake spike is a great idea. I would love to see it. Here's a fun one. Bring back the running back jump pass that the Cincinnati Bearcats used back in the day to get Travis Kelsey a touchdown. Check out this highlight. It's a lot of fun. They give it to Wynn. And Wynn throws it to Kelsey. Kelsey's going to score. Now, Jarek McKinnon used to be a quarterback. Can you envision him 
getting the ball, jump passing to Travis Kelsey, get him in space, let him rack up the yak, maybe take it all the way. We've already seen him do it. We saw him do it in college. We don't even need – that's the prototype. Andy Reid, what are you waiting for? Why are we not offensive coordinators in the NFL? That's my main question. We would just be demoralizing other teams. Hey, if Nathaniel Hackett could do it, I I think we can at least – hang in there for a year or two and not get fired. Hey, I, I think I, I hear you can be the head coach. No, no, no. I'll be head coach. You be OC. You're, you're the mastermind. I'm just going to be there just to stand there in a suit. I'm Fair? To- totally game for that. Hey, if Matt, Patricia and Joe judge can do it, can run an offense. Why can't we, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, Hey, all you have to do, Matt, Patricia taught us this. If you put a pencil behind your ear, you look smart. Oh, why do you think I carry a pin around all the time when doing podcasts and shows? Brilliant. Brilliant. Here's another notes. (laughs) Here's another Chiefs blast from the past. We should revive the 2016 Albert Wilson fake punt. If you guys remember that against the Falcons, uh, direct snap to the interior protector, and he took it right up the gut for a 55-yard touchdown. That was an Andy Reid play. Dust off, you know, Dust off the uh, the dust that's been accumulated in the closet and uh, dip into your bag if you need it, Big Red. It's honestly incredible what this team could do with all of the unlimited potential and talent that is on this team. The unique personalities, the unique talents that each guy has. We're very lucky to witness it. And what makes it so so fun and interesting is they don't really have to do any of these trick plays to have success offensively. They're the number one ranked offense doing it more traditionally, right? Obviously, they're a pass-first team, but it's almost like they just do this for fun, to keep the guys loose. Andy Reid, we know, is a player's coach, and I do think there's something to him occasionally busting a play like this out just to make the guys happy. Just because Travis Kelsey or Mahomes was in their ear saying, come on, it'll get the guys going. Like the ring around the Tony. The ring around the Tony, the snow globe play, I'm sure they're just in their ears and come on, Andy. This would be so much fun if we get up, let us do it. It's it's almost like a a motivator where, okay, if you guys get up three touchdowns, I'll let you guys run one or two of your plays you came up with. That's what it feels like. Totally agree. It's all about the vibes. It kind of has a Lakers showtime feel to it. And I think that kind of captures the essence of what's going on with the Chiefs. They're loose. They're having fun. They're putting up points. You want them to keep that edge. Andy Reid knows that. Uh, that was a fun segment. If you guys have any uh, any ideas for us, continue to pump them out in the chat. We'll feature them. Let's move on to one of our favorite segments, and that is the Casey stock market pump or dump. Basically, what happens here is Sterling and I, we, we give a statement, and then we ask whether you, you uh, are going to pump or dump. We ask each other and the chat. So let's get into that. New Chiefs receiver, John Ross, ran the fastest 40 in NFL combine history. I believe it was 4.22, just blazing fast back in 2017. This will be a bargain bin hit for GM Brett Veach. Are you pumping or dumping that, Sterling? I'm going to dump until proven otherwise. By the way, congratulations to John Ross being in the NFL as long as he has and still being younger than me. Time marches on, everyone. Time marches on. This is depressing, okay? But good for okay, John. Okay, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to hear. I, I got to jump in there because there's only one player in the NFL that's older than me. Only one. Tom and Brady. We, we all know. No, who there's a couple of punters. Come on. Maybe, maybe. But 
as long as Tom Brady is playing, I keep telling myself, I want him out of the league, but then um, personally, selfishly, I'm like, I can tell myself I'm not old as long as Tom Brady's playing. Yeah, he's still playing. You have time to win seven Super Bowls. You you can make it. You're, it's All not the too time late. in the world. Yeah, not too late. Uh, but I'm dumping this. It feels like a Corey Coleman or a Josh Gordon type of signing. Um, it, it's a futures deal, so don't expect him to play this season or the playoffs, obviously. But this is something for the future to give some guys uh, some competition in training camp and maybe preseason. I think they just want to bolster their opportunities. I don't see him actually making the roster, but again, who knows? The speed is obviously there, but there's a reason why he was available. Um, I'm going to dump this one. Speed is not an essential attribute for receivers. It's more predictive for running backs. This is why guys that are relatively slow, like Keenan Allen, like Jarvis Landry, can be all pro caliber receivers. And then you have guys like, Darius Hayward Bay or John Ross that are complete busts because this is not this is not the uh, the Olympic 100 meters. It's football. There's there's a lot of nuance and intricacies to the wide receiver position. And John Ross hasn't stuck in in either Cincinnati or New York. It's been five years. I'm not feeling great about it. But so so I'm dumping. But I like the process from from Veach. You have to you have to break some eggs to make an omelet. These are uh, low-risk, high-reward moves, and I think he looks at it like almost like an angel investor. If I put 10K in 10 companies, one of them is going to get acquired and blow up. I think he feels that same way about first-round busts. A lot of these guys are going to fail, but if just one of them hits and realizes their potential that other teams thought was long gone, then all the moves are collectively worth it. And speaking of investments... Guys, investors could be you. You can fund my drinking habit. You will get no return of investment, but I will buy beer with your money. Investors, that's why mm-hmm. I'm wearing a suit. This is all one large pitch so I could get some uh, some more free beer. Uh, let's get into the second KC stock market pumper dump. Juan Thornhill played his best game of the season against the Raiders. He has his confidence back and will be a stable playoff performer. Pump or dump? It's a light dump. He's been playing better. He played fantastic the other day. It looked like a different guy. It looked like, in, in, like, like I wrote, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers or something. Like, who was number 22 out there? Because that's not the Juan Thornhill we've been watching all season. An interception, zero yards allowed in coverage, a couple run stops. He's been, you know, he's a sure tackler. Uh, all things we really haven't seen for him, and we've been clamoring for for him to not look lost on coverage, for him to create some turnovers, for him to be a better tackler. He he just thrived in, in, in all those categories. I'll tell you what, though. I don't think he will, but if he and Justin Reed play like they, they did last Saturday, the Chiefs' defense could be a handful and, and give Patrick Mahomes enough to win another ring. So I'm actually going to the opposite of your light dump and go with a light pump. But for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, I think it's fair to say also, maybe Steve Spagnuolo was holding something a little bit back, or it was a case of they're finally understanding everything. And maybe it wasn't just Juan and Thornhill and Justin Reed, but the corners as well. Maybe he felt like early on these rookies needed help over the top and they couldn't allow Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed to be the um, aggressive safeties that he wanted them to be now was this because they were playing a you know a guy in his second start in the nfl and sit him could be 
I don't know if they would do the exact same thing if they were facing Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. But if they were facing, let's just say, for example, Trevor Lawrence, I could see a lot of the same schemes that were that was run against Stidham as against Trevor Lawrence, a younger quarterback who's not seen everything yet in the NFL. We saw a lot of blitzes, not just from McDuffie in some of the corners, but from Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill. This could be a case of now there's finally some trust or a trust factor, if you will, going on in the secondary as well as with Spagnolo. That's something that get, has me really enthused. So for that reason, I'm giving it a light pump. And we've seen this from Spags before. The defense starts out a little slow and they ramp up throughout the season and he he dips into his bag and and, pull, and and gets a little bit more aggressive, especially with certain quarterbacks. He's not afraid to blitz anybody. But it, you're right. If he's playing against uh, Trevor Lawrence in Arrowhead in his first road playoff game, I think he will he will send the house. Uh, let's get into the next pump or dump. The Kelsey brothers both made first team all pro in their mid thirties. They are better brother combo than the Mannings. Pump or dump? It's tough, but I'm pumping because I, I'm not a big believer in Eli. Peyton Manning, one of the greatest players of all time, a great, yeah, two rings. I know. I know he's got two rings. Are those, are those because of him or are those because of uh, the defense and and the helmet catch and both, but, but Strahan and OC and Tuck, come on. I'm with you, but I think Verderam actually had one of the most wild stats that one of those Super Bowls, he had like the highest usage rate of any player in modern like modern NFL, like Josh Allen was early on this season was giving him a run for his money, but Eli Manning was still higher. Um, don't don't con- hate on Eli, okay? I, I understand I it's easy to, but dude, he has two Super Bowls, you know, over one of the best teams, if not the best team in NFL history. He deserves a little more credit than just a throwaway. He's a confounding player. He on a certain Sunday, he could look like the worst quarterback in the league. And then he gets on a heater in the playoffs as a wildcard team and they win the whole damn thing. You just never knew which Eli Manning you're going to get. His brother was much more consistent, the better player. Uh, Both were great. But you look at the Kelsey brothers, the fact that this is even a question just really shows the greatness of these two guys. And both of them are, are just one-of-a-kind players. The things you can do with Jason Kelsey in space, the way uh, Travis understands the game, it has that innate feel, that je ne sais quoi that I've said before, uh, just that it factor. Their parents must be highly intelligent people. That is all I'm going to say. Uh, and, and it's a shame. they Do they have other siblings? I mean, let, we had a good thing going. Let's let's uh, let's do some more breeding here. It's almost like Archie. You're just like, well, yeah, good good for you, Archie. Good for you. It's tough, man. Like following in the footsteps of of those brothers has to be tough if they have another brother. Uh, just almost like Jackson to an extent with with Patrick, right? It, it's difficult. You want to do something to be uh, in the spotlight because one of them, obviously, he's he's it. He's him. Patrick Mahomes is him. He's the guy. But I can't go as far to say as the Kelsey brothers are there with the Manning brothers. I just can't. And part of that comes from positional value, right? Quarterback and Peyton Manning be a top, being a top five quarterback all time. That right there is, is, is impressive. Obviously Travis Kelsey's a top five tight end all time, probably top three and most like, or most likely top three and probably number one, maybe 
He's in the conversation for it. I'm not going to get in this conversation right now because that's a, a long time. We can dive into that one. But I would probably still go Manning Brothers. As much as I want to say the Kelsey, the Kelsey bros, I can't get there. The Kelsey brothers aren't done, though. Neither one of them has shown any signs of slowing down. And there's probably like, what, a 40% chance that one of those two teams takes home the whole damn thing, you know, takes home a Lombardi. So what do you think if the Kelsey brothers eventually have more rings than the Manning brothers? Good point. And the other one I will say is both are going to be in the Hall of Fame, I'd assume. Jason and Travis. Travis for sure. Jason probably, right? Yeah, I think they'll 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 waltz into the Hall of Fame. They're both in because Jason Kelsey already has a ring. So Peyton's in for sure. Mm -hmm. Eli is on the cusp. When is he eligible? It's got to be soon. Right? Yeah. And Eli's going to be one of those question marks of a two great years, a compiler, Mm -hmm. two Super Bowls. Eli's not a slam dunk. If Eli doesn't get in and Jason and Travis both get in, there's your best argument. Because uh, positional value, obviously, we're not going to be able to come to some sort of agreement here between a center and a tight end and two quarterbacks. The Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame, just a weird thing because it seems to really like those compilers. Uh, For my money, I I think Phillip Rivers was a better player than Eli Manning. Sure. More, More consistent, but he probably won't get in. Sure, that we have way too long in this because I'm with you to an extent. I'll, I'll give you mine. Is I think compiling in the NFL is different than compiling in baseball. I think it's also different to compile as a quarterback than other um, other positions because quarterback, the longevity is obviously there. If you're compiling at running back like Frank Gore did, that's impressive. You're taking a ton of hits. It's impressive to stay healthy that long. I will Talk say about Wolverine blood. I will say though, Jamal Charles. Frank Gore, when it comes to my Hall of Fame money, come on now. Jamal Charles, the most of any running back that's ever mattered in the NFL. Look at EPA. He's him. Uh, Let's get into actually the final one. The bye week will do Harrison Bucker's body a lot of good, pump or dump. This is pretty obvious. Not only has he been struggling with the ankle problem, we think, for much of the year, he's had back spasms. And he just hasn't looked like himself. You know, maybe he'll get a massage go to see his therapist, just get his mind right, his body right. The extra week is going to do a lot of Chiefs, a lot of good. McCole Hardman is another name I'd throw out there. Joe Tooney, maybe even LeJerry Sneed with the hip. We don't know how that's feeling. Some of these guys are playing through it. I know a lot of players say at this point of the year, everybody's playing hurt, but he is the guy that I would like to see get right. So I'm going to pump. Yeah, I'm with you. I will pump and pump pretty hard. Uh, I think it's hey more a case of injury than it is a case of the yips for Harrison Butker. I don't think he has the Chuck Knobloch. I don't think he has that situation where he can't throw the ball from second base to first. The John Lester. It's, to me, a case of injury. I will stand by that because I think Harrison Butker has a long enough track record to show he's a great kicker. Um I trust Bucker in the playoffs. I do. I think he might need the entire offseason to truly get fully healthy, but that can be said about almost any single player in the NFL. Kicking's a little different, but this bye week will do him a lot of good. Hope you're right. He scares me. I don't really want the game to come down to him in the playoffs. Uh, Let's move on to our last segment today, and that is Analytics Addict. We're going to take a look at unsung hero Michael Dana, just played lights out against the Raiders, had two sacks, and he doesn't get enough credit. He's not a guy that pops off the screen. 
He does. He's not the most bendy edge. He's not the biggest edge. He's not going to wow you with Von Miller or Miles Garrett type moves. But on this season, Dana has the second best win rate in true pass sets among Chiefs defensive linemen. So that's nineteen point five percent. Dana had twenty pressures this year. That's only five less than Frank Clark, despite Clark playing one hundred fifty two more pass rush snaps. And that's five more than Carlos Dunlap, who also had more pass rush snaps than, than Dana. Uh, he, I think this is why the chiefs were among the league leaders in sacks guys like this uh, playing to their full potential. And I got a question for you, Sterling. Do you think this guy plays higher above his talent level than any other chief on the roster? Cause I kind of think he does. I kind of think he has squeezed every last drop out of himself and, and goes a hundred miles per hour on every play. And, and he's been just a really excellent, what was he a fifth round pick? Yeah. Fifth round draft pick. And I would agree with you because by the way, uh, when he was drafted, I said, why this was a guy that a lot of folks, a lot of mock drafts had him going undrafted and the chiefs drafted him the fifth round. I'm sitting here saying, why? What a massive reach. I know what he did at Michigan. And before that, was it Central Michigan? It was a smaller school in Michigan, right? Um, I think so. And then he transferred. Then he transferred to Michigan, right? The talk about him was always, well, the effort will never be questioned. And I, being a cynic, goes, well, if the effort's the one thing that that you always point out to, that means the talent's not there. You're right. You're right. The talent might not be elite. It might not even be good. It might be below average for NFL standards, right? For NFL standards. But he has squeezed every sort of drop out of his talent. And he's turned into a productive edge rusher in the NFL. They've used him occasionally on the interior as well. Spagnuolo gets very creative. But man, Mike Dana has done a tremendous job getting everything out that he possibly can. I give him a ton of credit. And you mentioned basically the NASCAR package when they kick him inside at defensive tackle. And as long as he's not getting doubled, he has the length and the power to win against guards. And he also has the motor. Those guys get worn down. They're not used to, to blocking uh, pass rushers. And also you put him next to, you put him next to Chris Jones. Well, that's a more advantageous matchup for him. The versatility has been important. Uh, for not only him, but Jones can play in multiple spots. We've seen Karloftis kick inside a little bit. I like what Steve Spagnuolo is doing, and it's just good to have another body we can count on in the rotation. You feel like we have four guys who are healthy going into the playoffs, and and Karloftis, uh, um, Dunlap, Dana, and, and Frank, Frank Clark, and I feel better about it than I did last year. Do you feel better about the edge group than you did at this time last year or about the same? I do. A lot of it's because of Carlos Dunlap. He's been more impactful than Melvin uh, Ingram. But also I think it's because of Joe Cullen. I, I just trust this group more. I think Joe Cullen's a yeah. tremendous job. Uh, George Karloffis has really come on as a rookie. Um, but again, well, we got six sacks in seven games, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And again, I think... Uh, Maybe I'm giving too much credit to coaching and everything, but I'm really trusting and really believing and buying into Joe Cullen. Uh, thank you. Also, uh, Demetrio Spence, Central Michigan. Thank you. Central Michigan. Wait, did I say Central Michigan? Was I correct? I think you were. I think you were correct. Okay. 
that makes me feel pretty good about myself. Um, and I see Put a lot of you guys on the back there. Uh, see a lot of you guys in the chat, Benjamin, John F. Thank you guys for commenting. Appreciate you guys. Um, you know, Mike Dan is a good rotational player. I'm with you. We're not saying John or uh, not Kando. Mike Dan is a good rotational player. We're not saying he's a stud starting edge. We're saying he is a very good rotational player and a guy that the Chiefs can count on. Without Mike Dana, you'd be very, very um, thin at edge, right? In my opinion, you'd be very thin. Totally, especially when Frank has had some in- some issues with his health. Dunlap is 33 years old. You don't want these guys playing the number of snaps that Chris Jones plays uh, pass rush-wise. He, he, like, blew everybody out of the water. Uh, but he's in his prime. Those other guys are past their prime. Got to keep them healthy. And Mike Dana was one of the reasons they stayed healthy and they didn't have to play George Karloftis more snaps than he was ready for. You didn't see George Karloftis hit a rookie wall because they played him the right amount of snaps. If they would have played him too much and leaned on, on a rookie too much who's never played a 17-game season, maybe he falls apart. Maybe he tapers off. But that did not happen. Uh, I like the rotation. I would love for us to have a true number one at edge. But I think Mike Dana can be part of the equation for at least another year or so, which should buy us some time. Yeah, very impressive. And by the way, guys, everyone listening, we appreciate you, every single one of you. Thank you guys who are in the Discord. And again, I want you guys to go to Casey Birko. If you live in the Kansas City area, try the Arrow Red Lager. Please tell me what your thoughts are because I, I, I'm very proud of this, truthfully. Um, it's a little sentimental, but this is such a cool thing for us to do. Brew a beer with a Kansas City local brewery, uh, a great sponsor, but also a company that makes amazing beer. You know, if you know me, I like to drink, right? Responsibly, of course, but I, I like good flavor. Like this is Weizenbach Dunkel is incredible, but the beer we made is also incredible. And it's so fun putting your name and partnering with such a great company, such a great product. Um, if you try the Air Red Lager, please let me know your thoughts. It would mean the world to me. You can always tweet at me as well at HomestretchKC or at Arrowhead Addict. But it's it's fun, man. I, I just can't believe we actually did this. It really blows my mind that this little website my brother and I started on April Fool's Day back in 2007 has its own beer. What is next for Arrowhead Addict? Maybe a, I'm thinking maybe a barbecue sauce. That would that would be pretty sick, right? Oh, that'd be awesome. And and because both of you, you and me are, we would want it spicy. Oh, extra spicy. Doesn't I want that, it gates yeah. extra hot like that. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I am with the extra hot. I don't care what what the Mats and and Patrick think. We are going with the hot barbecue sauce. That is our next conquest. But until our next playoff conquest, this has been the Wacky Wednesday edition of the Arrowhead Attic uh, Podcast. We thank you so much for being with us. Go Chiefs! Go Chiefs!